Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at crowdsec.net. Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real-world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at pentera.io. Betty, you're very welcome to a new episode of Redefining Cybersecurity here on ITSP Magazine. This is Sean Martin, and I have the distinct honor and pleasure of having uh, a former guest on and a fellow podcast host on the show today, Tom Esten. How are you? I'm great, Sean. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited. Is, I know. It's going to be cool. <laughs> Second time. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, I think well, Marco and I had you on uh talking about podcasting, which yeah. is really, really cool. And I would encourage everybody to, to have a listen to that episode and, and hear about Tom's journey and some of the things he, he does and knows and learned and is still learning and shared with us uh, all about podcasting. And uh, your podcast, Shared Security Podcast, obviously is about mm -hmm. cybersecurity. Yep. You talk about all kinds of different things. And you're a professional in cybersecurity as well, not just a podcast host. Um, and I was like, you and I have to wrap on some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a few things, right? Yeah, let, let's set podcasting, logistics, and operations yeah. and all that aside, and let's get into some fun things uh, for redefining cybersecurity here uh, where I hopefully help people operationalize security. So think a little differently about the tools and techniques and how they build their teams and run their programs uh, to not just do it for the sake of security, but to help grow the business and then protect the growth when they, uh, yeah. when they actually achieve it. <laughs> so, so here we are. Um, Tom, a little bit about you for those who haven't heard that episode yet uh, about <laughs> sure. shared security podcast, maybe, maybe closer back to, I, I say when I was hatched, but or earlier on kind of your journey in, into where you are now. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so like you said, I, I've been hosting the Shared Security podcast for over 14 years now. So that's my little uh, labor of love or, or side project. Um, 
but my uh, my day job is so I'm a VP of uh, delivery at Bishop Fox, where I lead our consulting and our product uh, delivery teams for the company. So um, I've spent, I'd say, the majority of my career, um, well over 17 years now, um, in offensive security. So kind of grew up as a pen tester myself. So I've always been a hacker. And then somebody uh, one day in, in a job told me, it's like, you know what? You'd make a great manager. <laughs> and I'm like, management. Well, went, like, well, went downhill from there. Dude. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. And uh, in my one job as a consultant, I kind of played the, a dual role of being a manager and a consultant. And then I ended up getting burnt out and I had to choose one path, right? Either I go the business path or I stay as pen tester in the technical path. And I'd say that was probably one of the hardest decisions I had to make because I love doing both things. But um, I actually found out that getting more into the business side ended up being more of a challenge because you, pro you probably know this, but managing yeah. people <laughs> yeah. is much more challenging than some of the technical challenges that I've had to overcome. So um, I kind of look at it that way now. And, and, and honestly, I think the best part of being in management or being in leadership has been just seeing my teams grow, see people, helping people grow, helping mentoring them, helping them be better at their jobs. And uh, that has given me just a lot of satisfaction in my role. But um, but yeah, I've been from pen tester through management and now I'm an executive. So um, it's been quite the journey. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I, this isn't about me, but we're going to talk about something that's relevant here. So I, I was fortunate enough to have many tactical roles mm -hmm. uh, at, a, at a big yellow company uh, many, <laughs> many, 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 many moons ago. Yes. From, from QA to engineering to project manager, program yep. management to product management to product marketing and, and sales enablement and, and yeah, project office for sales and all mm -hmm. these different things. And then managers for all those roles as, as well. So the hands-on doing and then mm -hmm. leading a team to do it and they each have their challenge. I can say yes. it's easy to get burnt out in both. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter which oh, one. Yeah. yeah. But I know one of the things, um, the reason I mentioned that one of the things I want we want to talk about was kind of the, this idea of the talent gap mm -hmm. and, and a lack of skills and, and where do we really sit with that? I know you have some opinions on, is there a gap or, or where do we sit? And I don't know, we'll see, we'll see where the conversation goes. Yeah. But, but I think that the, the point is, we, we talk about it and I actually have heard this point from other industries as well. Like people are burning out and they don't have the skill. I heard it mm. in the legal space. I heard it in HR. And uh, All right. So everybody has this problem. We're not unique. We like to think nope. we are in security, right? Mm. Um, but then is it really a problem or is it just something to talk about in, in the context? So your initial thoughts there and we'll, we'll see where we go from there. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard the same thing you have, you know, everybody has a skill shortage. We don't have enough people or enough talent in our company. And whenever I hear that, I kind of think about, have you looked at your own employees and have you tried to skill up your own employees to get them into those positions that you want to fill is, is usually my first response. Um, and then I actually look to see, what type of jobs are they posting for the skills that they say that they're missing? And I find it kind of funny that a lot of these job positions and, and when I read them, they all say they want very senior, very experienced people, 
to fill these roles. And so I often go back to, you know, what is your training program? How are you developing your internal employees to get them to those skill levels instead of just like throwing out to the world, hey, we need all these skills and we need these senior people. And then there are oftentimes a lot of junior people that, you know, are very talented. Maybe they don't have the years of experience you're looking for, but there's a lot of times you just got to give people a chance or maybe you give them, you know, maybe a, a more entry level role that they can prove themselves and then move up into that, that more senior role. Um, but a lot of it is just people not actually advertising for the correct skills or the correct positions that they're actually looking for. I think it's like check the box of whatever HR <laughs> job description says, and they're not hiring managers aren't really thinking about that. Yeah. And I, it makes me wonder, cause I mean, in each of the positions that I mentioned, I had, I'd never done them before. They yeah. The first time right. I was doing it. And thankfully I was given the opportunity mm -hmm. and I had to figure out, I had to learn how to code. I, I wasn't yeah. a coder. I had to learn how to code. Um, yeah. I need, I need to learn networking. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess the, the, the definition of the, the skills and, what's really needed. And I know certifications are a thing, right? You have to pass the, the filter of, do you have a cert or not? Uh, oh yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a huge debate, right? To this yeah. day. Um, you know, we're always talking about does the like CISSP, right? Mm -hmm. ISC squared, all their certifications Does that really matter anymore. And then you start digging into the organization itself. And there's a lot of controversy over how they run their board and like the different things. And then as a security professional, you're like, is this really going to benefit me and my career? Am I learning anything from it? Or is it literally now just a check the box exercise? Like you said, get past the HR filters, um, in a resume pool. Um, but I'll tell you, just at least in my area of offensive security, we rely less on certifications. Mm. Um, we, we really, I mean, frankly, I don't care. Like when I hire somebody uh, or my directors do and managers, we're not looking. The first thing we are looking for is experience, uh, cultural fit, ability to learn. Um, it's not necessarily certifications or what college you went to and, you know, all these grandiose things that at the end of the day, from what I find, um, at least in offensive security is skill set, desire and passion is much more important and I think uh, generates better results for the company yeah. too. Yeah, certainly. And an aptitude and desire oh, yeah. to do something cool. Yep. Um, yeah. And on, on this point, I mean, I have a CISSP from 20 years ago. I maintain it. Me too. Uh, <laughs> I, I got it because... I had, I learned all this stuff on the fly Yeah, and I wanted to prove to myself mm -hmm. that I actually knew what I was doing based on some standard. So that was the first yep. reason I got it. And then, and then, um, I was ended up in marketing and I figured, well, nobody trusts marketing maybe with the CIS, <laughs> they'll, they'll believe me a little more. Yeah, uh, sure. With, with that. Um, my point is though, that I don't know, the, the certs, train something. I just finished uh, recording an episode on networking and uh, fundamentals and networking related to cybersecurity. Uh, you, you know them, Justin Elsey and, and yeah. Nick Douglas. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we talked about was understanding networking details enough to apply those fundamentals to mm -hmm. how you build security controls around the network to do the right thing and not kill 
kill the business in the process. Yeah. And one of the things we talked about was like the OSI model. It's one of the things that is used for training. Right? Mm-hmm. It's something you can learn from. But both Mick and Justin pointed out that you don't apply that model to a no. real network. Not in the um, real so, world. <laughs> so there's, there's no yeah. way. There's no way to translate that into hands-on until mm-hmm. you get hands-on. So I guess my where I'm going with this is even if you have a cert, even if you follow a model, even if you have a deep understanding of standards, it's the hands-on piece that really matters. Is there an opportunity that we're missing, you think, from mm-hmm. like an internship perspective? Or- oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of internships. And um, in fact, one of the cool things that we've done at Bishop Fox is we have a big program down in Mexico where we have a big presence and we partner with the universities down there um, with a lot of their top talent. Um, and that's how we bring in a lot of our interns from the university programs. I mean, we could, we've even done this in the United States where we're trying to find that talent or that interest in cybersecurity and through an internship, we find that you're, that's where you really can showcase a lot of the talent and they're getting that hands-on skill by actually working on real engagements in real environments with tools and techniques. They're learning all these things from practitioners in the field um, and they're not going to get that through book knowledge. They're not going to get that through taking a SANS class or you know another type of training or like, like you see nowadays you know, hack the box and, and other types of these learning environments are awesome. I mean, we, I wish I had stuff like that when I was getting started as a pen tester, you know, for me, it was like, I had to build my own lab by hand at home with VMs and start exploiting and hacking and things like that. And now it's become very easy to develop those skills, but what the internships do is give you that real world experience of okay, this is how you use these techniques and tools in a real world environment. Um, and I think that's the only way you can get that by actually doing it on the job. And uh, so many directions to go here. Because um, <laughs> what I'm thinking is, I mean, let's be real. The, the, the environment that you created when you started testing mm-hmm. and testing um, looks very different now and the oh, tools totally. are available, right? Even yeah. hack the box, those types of things exist. Mm-hmm. And what I'm, what I'm going to with this is that you, you might, I think it's important to, to understand the, the fundamentals, the basics of how things work um, mm-hmm. for, for when things go off the rails. Um, but in reality, most programs use a slew of tools, mm-hmm. right? I have a ton of data that they, that, that gets analyzed for them and points them in the right direction, kind of the right direction anyway. (laughs) And so are we, are we expecting too much of people given Mm. the the fact that technology is an assistant in many Mm -hmm. cases where the abstraction layer is where you really need to have the understanding for the general team view mm-hmm. and, then, and then maybe there you have some experts in, in different aspects somebody in cloud somebody network somebody yeah. endpoint all those kind of things what do you think yeah well I, I definitely tell you that you can't be an expert in everything i mean we all we all know that um i at one point in my career i tried to to be the the person that wears many hat, hats in pen testing and 
you know, I, I even ventured into being a developer thinking that, yep, if I learn how to code, I can write exploits and, you know, maybe I get into more exploit development, found out that wasn't really for me. Um, I had to experiment with different types of technologies, different techniques. What did I like? What I didn't like? And for me, I found out that I gravitated more towards application security. And so that became for me my kind of forte and an area that I wanted to focus in on. But before I even got into that, I had to learn the fundamentals. I had to learn the basics of application security, not just being a coder, because AppSec is much more than just code. It is, you know, how to be a good developer, how to secure code, how to write secure code. There was so many aspects, how to secure the infrastructure that the code uh, is sitting on, um, all those things. Um, and I think that's the the challenge that new people coming into this industry find is that there's so much to do. And I just tell people, great, to try to specialize in something. What is it about cyber for you that gets you excited? Where do you spend most of your time? What do you like tinkering in the most? And then start exploring the fundamentals of that particular thing and then get better at it. And then as your knowledge grows and as you network with people and start you know, going to conferences and listening to other people talk about the particular thing that you're interested in, that is a huge benefit to your career because I can tell you like, I mean, being a generalist is awesome, but where you're really valued in a company, especially in offensive security, is going to be that niche skill set that you you have um, and that you can perform really well. And I'm wondering if not unlike the number of uh, protection, detection, response, recovery technologies that uh, come out of this industry, we just we never get rid of anything. We just no. add to it. I'm, I'm wondering if the, the job descriptions are the same. Uh, where we just build on to it and say, we also need this and we also need this, which is the complete opposite direction where you yep. just said, somebody right. has a very specialized skill mm -hmm. set. Let's embrace that. And oh, it's probably going to be good and we can, we can stretch them and, and, you know. Yeah. Oh, I could tell you just recently, um, you know, blockchain or crypto type of skills right now are in still in high demand despite the, what's going on in the blockchain you know arena and you know tanking and bitcoin and all of that but but i still get clients asking for that and we have some client some consultants that specialize in that and they are very they are highly valued for that particular skill set the next thing that you know is going to come is ai right there, if we have consultants that specialize in AI and how that works, or if that's something you're interested in, you know, maybe just trying to get into the industry, that is going to become something that's going to be in high demand. Um, we have people that have hardware testing skills, right? And clients that have hardware that needs to be tested is equally as important. It's not just all about, you know, whatever the biggest thing everybody's talking about, like DevSecOps and AppSec, or if it's networking or cloud, that's all great, but I tell people, you know, still try to specialize in that bigger, that bigger topic. You know, cloud is a great example. There's so many careers and so many things that people could get involved with and find that niche that makes them maybe a little bit different than the next candidate uh, is what I try to tell people. What is that? Uh, containers and yep. Kubernetes. Kubernetes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, whatever that so, is, the craziness. That, 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 that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, you, you touched on it, so let's let's kind of go this direction now with with AI and 
I mean, AI ah. itself is a big topic. Um, oh, yes. And there, and there are different ways to look at it. There's AI to help with, well, detection, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. response uh, in, in the SOC, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's AI to help uh, perhaps drive, maybe generate AI. And I was talking about this earlier uh, with the, with Nick, uh, with Mick and, and Justin can can generate AI, generate AI, generative. If I can only speak, I can't even speak. Maybe AI will do for Can it, can it uh, answer questions we ask of it uh, that maybe some tools can't today? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the other side of the coin of well, what what's it being used for? Where is it being used in the business, and what risk does it bring? So we oh yeah have to detect and respond to this stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know where you want to go first. Um, Maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe let's talk. Let's talk uh, skill set for protection because we're we just come off the the skill set mm-hmm. thing. So how how important is that, and where does that fit in? Do you think? Um, I think I think that the more that you can learn about AI and how to interface with it is going to be an extremely valuable skill um, for for you um, or for anyone that honestly anything that you're doing in cybersecurity. I think you can't be oblivious to the fact that AI is is here. Um, it's going to be integrated into the products and the services that you're using, not just at work, but in your personal life. So the more that you can learn how to use it or how to interface with it, I think the more valuable you're going to become to your organization. So, you know, just thinking of like if you're a regular security analyst that, you know, maybe you're looking at logs all day and and you know, things like that, start thinking about like, well, how could AI help analyze those logs? How can it kind of automate some of the mundane things that you would spend hours doing yourself and think about efficiencies, right? So I I look at AI as a lot of just efficiency. I don't look at it as like, it's coming to take us over and, you know, like Terminator, uh, Skynet type stuff, which, okay, maybe one day, but hopefully not in our lifetime. But, (laughs) but really it's, it's, um, it's there to, I think, help you and be more of an assistant so you can focus and you can, um, do the things that maybe an AI isn't necessarily good at. But I, I do want to say that, you know, you can't rely on everything that the AI is going to do. There's going to be mistakes. We've seen this with ChatGPT. There's tons of hilarious, you know, tweets. And there's like, look what ChatGPT told me to do. This is when I asked it. Or if you tell it to write code, then, ah, this code isn't correct. It's close, but it's not quite right. And of course, that's going to improve. But I don't think we're ever going to be able to replace like the human analysis part of, I think there's going to be a lot of, okay, the AI has generated this. Now we need a human to kind of confirm or review this. Because if we start putting putting our trust fully into the machines, um, I think that's a whole other level that um, I don't necessarily think we can quite do yet. Yeah, I view it as uh, as a creation i don't know i want to call it a product but it creates stuff yeah <laughs> right and just like you would write a product mm-hmm. so it creates code to help with the product creates information you can use to make mm-hmm. a decision um and just with anything you, you don't build the product and release it without a qa cycle <laughs> no right and look no at, look at the air, airline industry their, oh. their qa cycles years and years 10 years in fact automobile too it's the same yeah, thing auto, yeah safety systems FDA stuff 
all of that. And so they're, but they're also leveraging AI now and, um, these things are just going to get better. Um, but I think it's, we're, we're entering kind of some uncharted territory and I mean, I'm already seeing all these startups popping up everywhere. There's security startups now there's, you know, every marketing, everything in between is saying, you know, Oh, we got AI now. It's so much better than before. And then I start playing with some of these things, like just on the podcast level, like the, the auto generated, you know, Hey, here's all your Twitter threads and all your other stuff. And, and like some of this is like, eh, I wouldn't just copy paste this stuff into Twitter. <laughs> you like know, you wanna, it's not there you yet. You look like a moron, then you don't <laughs> no. copy paste as just <laughs> Right. Uh, um, yeah, I was just thinking, let's play a little here. Um, and then we'll go to the uh, de detection piece for inside, mm -hmm. the, inside the organization. But let's, let's look at the yeah. analyst role and where it might be helpful. Or mm -hmm. security operations broader, if we want. To. Yeah, um, I have a couple ideas. I'll throw those out, and then and okay, I'd like to hear your thoughts too, because it. I kind of alluded to one already. Just, um, I have a set of data, right? Mm -hmm. And this data, I might need to, in its current form, spin up Tableau. Yep. Set up some some tables and rules and things to to get a visualization mm -hmm. and, and find the story that, that I think I might want or might, might need yeah. versus feeding that into generate AI, generate AI, like chat GPT mm -hmm. to say, where, where are the interesting things in this data set? Now, yeah. no, obviously it's limited to how much data you can feed it. So, and mm -hmm. then it, the, the question is, do you want to, do you want to feed it to a public service like chat TBT? There's another, your risk. Yeah. yeah. Which, which we'll talk about in a moment, but just this idea that it might, yeah. And I have to QA what it tells me. Right? Mm -hmm. I have to validate yeah. what, that what it found is, is actually true, but it might be a very, to your efficiency point, a very fast, a much faster way yeah. to identify an anomaly or something that my rules-based system or my ML-based uh, detection system isn't finding. Mm -hmm. And uh, we talked about QA here, and I talked about it on the other podcast I was mentioning as well. Um, what are you testing for? Um, yeah. And, and so using it to test some of your hypotheses around policies and and are these the right controls and that they've been implemented properly? Uh, mm -hmm. Analysis of configurations and, and things like that could be could be helpful so i don't know obviously endless opportunities but those oh, are a couple that i was thinking about Any, anything on your mind yeah I, I think like uh thinking of like like you said you know lots of data that needs to be analyzed and looking for anomalies or you know things that we would normally I just think of like Excel is a great example, right? I know that Microsoft is going to be putting in some AI automations into their Excel product to do like auto formulas and to just say, take this data and give me this, or, you know, you can actually through your voice, right? You could talk to Excel and say, I wanted to do this just like you would chat GPT. That is an enormous time saver uh, for people. Um, thinking of any kind of mass data set that you need to do something with and then find the, the good nuggets within that data, I think that is going to be a huge, huge benefit of AI. Um, one thing that's interesting that a few people have mentioned to me, though, that um, 
kind of goes beyond just the thinking of lab. Okay. This is going to help automate the boring stuff, but what does that actually mean for critical thinking skills? Are we kind of uh, taking that away now that we've, you know, let AI do all that thinking for us? Are we becoming like just mindless, you know, button pushers or is AI going to really help us enhance our critical thinking skills? So I thought that was kind of an interesting, uh, I've had a few people mention that to me. Um, and what does that mean for us as humans and how we process information? If we take that all away, um, are we losing some of our own creativity, I guess? Yeah, and I have I have thoughts on that. I mean, it kind of goes to my earlier point about abstracting. How much mm -hmm. how much of the detail do you know? Detail yeah. do you know? And to me, in this case, it's do I really need to know every byte in that data set mm -hmm. to be smart at what I'm trying to do? And and if I can be more creative in how I ask the system, yeah, to analyze. Whereas if I'm doing it manually, perhaps even based on my understanding of the data. Mm -hmm. which may be wrong, could be. <laughs> which yeah. may be limited, which may be mm -hmm. biased. Um, I could end up being more creative and find multiple options for whatever That's true. I'm trying to solve for yeah. versus the one that, mm -hmm. that I'm, I probably screwed up because that's me. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. that's my thought on the, on this. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like the old argument of like, you know, back I'm I'm, I'm kind of old and I'm dating myself, but you know, when I had math class in high school or grade school and they said, you're never going to carry a calculator in your pocket. So that's why you have to learn the fundamentals of math and how to do it in your head and write with pen and paper. And now, you know, we're carrying supercomputers in our pockets um, that, you know, they didn't think was ever possible because it's the 1980s. Right. But um, I, I look at the same thing. It's like, you still have have to have the fundamentals, right? I think even if you're going to let ChatGPT or AI create these things for you, like in schools and education, I think we're we're never going to not stop teaching the fundamentals of math or basic computer programming or all of those things because they're the basis of well, this is how AI works, and we have to understand how it works. So, um, yeah, there's some just interesting interesting yeah. things that uh, come out of that. Yep. Well, the the fact that it's there and it exists and it, it is helping us be more creative, perhaps, helping us do I more, so. faster, perhaps, um, achieving new things that were previously impossible, perhaps, mm -hmm. uh, changes the environment and the world that we live in and that we do yeah. work in. And so it's going to... It's going to make us think differently anyway. We're going to, we're going to have yeah. to understand how things worked, how they work yep. now, how they might work tomorrow, given this new new technology, mm -hmm. and really evaluate. Well, obviously, we're talking cybersecurity. So evaluate the risk, right? Yeah. Oh, so let, big so time. Let's go there. Let's go there. How? Yeah. Uh, the, the risk of of something like a Chat GPT in the business and how that impacts security analysts, uh, security mm -hmm. operations. What are you seeing in here? Oh, it's huge. Um, it's I've already seen the debates of okay, we're gonna block Chat GPT from our corporate networks, and you know, like you know, there's schools now that are banning it. And and I mean, you know, this is this gets back into the old DLP days of like, okay, guys, you can't send email anymore with sensitive information, so we're gonna put in all these monitoring tools and you know, make sure that everything going in and out of the network is is authorized and 
it's so difficult to control people and say, you can't use it. We've got mobile phones. We've got so many different ways of doing it. Uh, right. And it's a, it's been a battle just trying to control corporate information to this day is still challenging, let alone chat GPT um, and these AI tools. You're not going to be able to block it. You're not going to be able to ban it. People are going to use it. And unfortunately data is going to get leaked into, cause that's what feeds AI. Um, I think there needs to be more done on the like open AI and these companies need to have ways of identifying when sensitive information is being uploaded or, or put in place. I know there's already seen some interesting things coming out of chat GPT. If you try to ask it to do something that maybe it thinks that it's illegal or whatever, it tells you, Oh, I can't do that. Um, but I think that we're, that we're going to have to rely more on those organizations because it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible to stop somebody from putting sensitive information in. Um, through a system that maybe not be monitored, right. By, uh, by a company. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think there, it's probably, well, it's anything with security and probably privacy is one of the easiest to connect it to, um, in the sense of protecting systems and protecting the data yep. and watching, watching how and where it goes and redacting it or blocking it or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, Everybody, I think, has a role to play in this. So certainly the mm -hmm. people providing the service um, yep. and the, the the teams protecting the network that allow access to that and the right. users that are doing it in the first place, some awareness there, I'm sure, back to the skills. <laughs> and where the data goes and is where yeah. it's hosted, is it self-hosted, is it hosted by the company and how are they storing and protecting that data? Is it intermingled with other data? I mean, there's so many questions uh, to to ask um, in these environments and it's so new and there's, I think this hype around it. And so a lot of people now aren't quite thinking about the data security implications of, of using something like this. Um, they just say, this is really cool. This is going to help me in my job. So I'm just going to start putting data into it. Mm. Um, maybe not realizing, you know, what they just did. <laughs> right. And it's too late at that point. Right. Oh yeah. Way too late. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a tough call. Nobody has a great answer right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Italy. Yeah. Stop doing it. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's not going to happen. No. Um, all right. So and I don't know if you're, if you're aware or not, cause it, I mean, the way chat GPT works is that it has its service in the cloud and, and you're mm -hmm. feeding the service and, mm -hmm. and, and, training it as you as you're gaining <laughs> from it yep um so it's getting better as you use it um but it relies on in order for that to happen uh it relies on you sharing that stuff to the public yes mass amounts least, of least, data at least there and so biases by the way right exactly <laughs> that's the other exactly. problem with it so yeah. i'm wondering are there are there ways to and you, you touched on it where, where the data is hosted and how it's protected mm -hmm. is do you know, are there, I mean, the chat GPT is probably the most popular, but are there yeah. other services that you've heard of? Maybe, I don't know if you have, not, have or not, but that, that allow you to use the knowledge from the cloud, but mm -hmm. share the data uh, to a service on-prem that your data actually doesn't actually ever go to the cloud part of it? I, I, I think there might be. I yeah. think there might be ways of doing that or there might be some type of filtering that's available, right? Um, 
but a lot of this is going to rely, I think, on those the policies of these various cloud providers, right? Of you know, how are they maybe you know taking that information and then using it with other data sets? I, I think it's going to be a, a, a big data problem that's going to have to be uh, figured out. But from what I've heard, there are some that will have some more like self-hosted type options, but I think it's going to be pretty limited right now because I've seen like, oh, you can use GPT-3 with this, but you're going to have to wait until four and then change out your whole system when the newer AI, you know, is available. And there's going to be a lot of work, right? To take something self-hosted, upgrade it. I mean, it's no different than if you self-hosted anything, right? right? But now we're talking something on a huge scale that needs and requires a lot of data. I think it's going to be very challenging. Yeah. Yeah, and I will, I'll point back to Symantec. We bought uh, IBM's digital immune system technology when, mm. I was, when I was working for them. And, and it, that was a cloud. Basically, it was a, yeah. a, a malware assessment analysis mm-hmm. uh, engine in the cloud that you companies would submit their malware to their infected yeah. component or assets to, and they'd get analyzed and you'd be told, yep, this in fact is something new. We haven't seen it before and this is what it does. And mm-hmm. so it required that exchange, yep. but, but we allowed people to, or organizations to have uh, an on-premises layer yes. that would interface with the cloud. And exactly. So you're, you're an app guy, app set guy. Yep. Um, I have not yet had a chance to interact with uh, OpenAI through APIs yet. Yeah. Because um, to me, that seems like a potential opportunity. Absolutely. Where, where you might present an interface. Because right, mm-hmm. most people just go straight to the chat GPT interface on the web. Yeah. Where if you can do it through APIs, maybe you mm-hmm. present to your employees an interface that gives them parameters and does some of mm-hmm. the checks that that uh, help protect IP and other yeah. sensitive data or whatever it is. Yeah, I think that I, actually you're touching on something that's important is um, I think organizations will naturally have to start uh, providing their own interfaces for employees or for developers if they're going to leverage this instead of blocking it and saying, nope, you can't use it at all. Maybe giving them that outlet as long as it's either monitored or filtered or or there's some process in place, um, you know, that is probably a better approach than just saying no or, and then that's when they start getting into trouble of why did my data go out this window (laughs) that wasn't monitored. So uh, might be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. I'm going to ask chat GPT what it recommends. Yeah, but to your, to tie this all together, it's interesting yes. because like APIs, right? Um, yeah. If I'm just getting into the field, like, and I want to use ChatGPT, and I'm interested in that field, I want to learn the basics of how APIs work, how they're mm-hmm. secured, how how I would interface with ChatGPT through an API, and tie that into a, maybe an application that I'm building. I mean, these are all fundamentals, right? These are all yep. things that you have to understand before you get to the the really cool stuff. So. Um, you know, it all ties in together at the end of the day. Yep. Jack of all trades, master mm-hmm. of all. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> yep. Um, I, I like your like your idea of uh, I didn't I don't follow the advice myself, but <laughs> being specialized in something, I'm all over the place. 
Yeah, that's, that's I think we all are in a bit. But... Works, but... <laughs> yeah, and I, like I said, I think that's okay to to kind of be that generalist and have interest in lots of different things. But at the end of the day, I mean, even you probably have something that you really, really like um, above all of the other things. Um, and so maybe that is kind of your specialty, if yeah. you will. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a general contractor, but I can build a hell out of stuff. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me figure out what tools I need and what materials I need and off I go. Yes. I, I'm actually known for uh, building the airplane while it's flying. There so. you go. <laughs> it's always a good thing. Yes. Good thing. Uh, well, Tom, this, this has been great. Um, yeah. I uh, I feel if we open up another topic, we'll we'll drag this on beyond what people want to hear. <laughs> they, they all want to hear right. you, but they don't want to hear me talk much longer than this. Oh, episode. that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll stop it here, but I... I don't know, maybe a regular, uh, yeah, it'd be fun. Regular chat would be fun. Yeah, I'll join you on your absolutely, next time or something. yeah. I'll have you on the shirt scaring podcast. Yeah, I love that. I just, I just invited myself. You see how that works? Yeah, I love it. I can, <laughs> I, I always need guests, so it's perfect. Thank you. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thanks everybody for uh, listening. Um, I don't know if we'll have any resources from this uh, running the run all over the place conversation we just had, <laughs> but uh. Yeah, I think a uh, great conversation with you people yeah. thinking a little different, at least thinking. Uh, I owe that to you, Tom. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Us yeah, thanks, Sean. See you. See you, everybody. Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real-world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at pentera.io. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open-source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at crowdsec.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24.